just want us to turn to John 15. We're going to read from 1 to 17. John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prudes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you, ha- if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this and to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. What I want to speak about this morning is freedom, fruitfulness, and fulfilment. Isn't, uh, isn't that what we all long for? More freedom in our lives. We long to be more fruitful and we long for that full fulfilment that it brings. That desire was deposited in you at new birth. We were made in his image and we cried, Abba, Father. Our first cry was for God himself, Abba, Father. Papa, as some like to say, or Daddy. He deposits this new nature that cries out for more of him. And uh, I just want to think back. We've already been encouraged this morning in this way. Think back to that first experience when you first got saved. It could be different for different people. For some, it was a rush of joy. I remember feeling that, even as I was only about 10 years of age. Maybe for some of you, you just felt a deep peace or a sense of belonging. Or I've heard people say, I felt so clean. And maybe for some, you just believe God could do anything. And others, we just know that we are loved. We are loved by him. For some, it may be something quite quiet, just a desire to read his word and to go after him. Whatever it looked like, there was desire and passion deposited in your heart for God himself. It was first love. It was first love that you experienced at that time. 
I think we've already heard this morning, I do not believe that was meant to be a one-off experience. This is something we can experience continually. And, uh, but, you know, stuff happens, life, it struggles, uh, struggles in relationships, struggles within ourselves as we're learning, as we're growing, uh, the busyness of life, uh, other desires coming in, we've got to get that better house up. But there's nothing wrong with that, don't get me wrong. But they creep in and they become, they can easily become idols. They can easily become, easily become first love. And, uh, and so that may be that we're not sensing that first love. We're just not feeling it. Yeah, we have, have those times when we do, and it's, it's great and it's wonderful, but it's not necessarily an ongoing thing. Yeah, we have our trials and difficulties, so it's not all about feelings. It's about faith, we know. But we're just not sensing it. We're not feeling it. Not that passion, that desire for God anymore. And we hear about others' stories. We hear about their passion for God. We hear about their mighty answers to prayer. We see God doing amazing things for some people. And they're so fruitful for God. And, uh, but somehow for us, we haven't received that. We haven't received and we don't know what we expected. Maybe for ourselves, those struggles within. Maybe for our families. Of course, there's the disappointments. There are things to work through. But we believed and we expected so much more. For our church, we believed, didn't we, for Piers House. And it didn't happen. And it's easily, easy just to cool off sense of disappointment and we it can affect us that we don't go after God as we did before we find some things whether it's our lives or um, just things don't seem to match up with his word I remember often thinking as a young person and I didn't voice it where's this abundant life where is it sometimes you know we just don't want to admit it that's how we feel because we don't want to cause discouragement to other people. And we certainly don't want to be seen to accusing God. I think the first point is that we need to be uh, vulnerable, as we heard this morning, and honest with God. And Dave spoke about this last week. We, we create theologies to make our lives comfortable, our Christian life comfortable, because it's not matching up with what God said. We say things like, well, it's not God's time. It's not God's season. He's not moving here because it's not God's time. Or it's not our time. It's surprising how we can, and we can find scriptures sometimes <laughs> that seem to back up what we feel. And uh, so, you know, we're just not sensing that passion, that first love for God. And God doesn't abandon us because we're like that. That's he's so tender. He, and we can all know. We read his word and we pray and we all know a measure of his presence. And we can be blessed as we read the word. God uses us at times. Sometimes there's amazing answers to prayer when we're in a crisis, when we get desperate. Do you remember that phrase often used to hear? Well, that trial, that struggle, it did our prayer life good. <laughs> I think that it doesn't really, though, match up 
with what Jesus said. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. In that chapter we read, Jesus talks about bearing much fruit. And we celebrate this morning the fruit that Leah was seeing. She doesn't know all the whole outcome, but there's fruit, there's seed planted. And we celebrate with Leah over that. It's good to celebrate with others. And um, so, you know, we, it talks of bearing much fruit. It talks about seeing answers to prayer in greater measure. It talks about our joy being full. And I know we can't just be all like that every moment of every day, but I believe it can increase. I believe we can know it, these things in increasing measure. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I believe that this is our portion for us. I believe he's got bigger plans for us than we have for ourselves. And uh, as the phrase Bill Johnson says, the lack is not on his side, but the lack is on ours. Now, don't go into condemnation about that. Oh, yeah, it's me, I'm failing, I don't get that. You know, there's hope. There, there is a hope. He has plans for us. Those plans are still there. It says in Philippians 2 verse 13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He is passionate about raising our level of expectation. He's passionate more than we realise to bring us to a place of greater freedom and fruitfulness and fulfilment. Just want you to stop and think for a moment. What would freedom look like for you? What springs to mind and you think, I'd like freedom in that area? Freedom from that behaviour, even addiction, or freedom just to be set free from that thing that holds me back? Just think for a moment what comes to mind. I'm telling you this morning, I was trying to think of a word. I believe even this recent last few years, God has given me certain freedoms in certain areas. We're never too old to learn. Get frustrated I didn't learn it earlier. <laughs> because the word I wanted to think, the word I thought of was that this freedom is sweet. It's beautiful, it's sweet, so free. So, you know, just to be free of that thing that held me back. For me, fear of man was a big thing. He's still working on it, but I can see that he's been working on it and he's giving me so much more. What would fruitfulness look like for you? What springs to your mind? You want to see God move in that ministry. You want to see those answers to prayer you've prayed for for so long. You want to see God, you want to bear fruit in your workplace. And um, you just want to see so much more. Maybe not those things, it may be other things. What would fulfilment look like for you? I believe he wants it to be glorious. Glorious for him. And glorious and bringing glory to him. And um, 
I think what I meant to say there was abundance. <laughs> he wants that fruitfulness to come in abundance. He is doing it in our day and age. He is moving in different places and they're seeing an abundance of fruit. And then it was what would fulfillment look like for you. To know those, to be so fruitful for him, to see the evidence of it in many, many ways will be glorious. It will be wonderful. And he plans so much more for you and for me than we do for ourselves. So how do we know more of this? How do we get there? We're on a journey, aren't we? The other couple of weeks or so ago, I was reading the book of Hosea. And whenever I sit down to read the word, I say, Holy Spirit, speak to me, correct me, flood me with your truth, uh, set me free. I like the phrase Bill Johnson uses, let your word that be the hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces, rocks the lies of the, uh, the enemy has put in our minds. Let your word do that. And as I was praying that that morning, I felt particularly energised. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, yeah, this was such a passion of my heart. And I read through um, Hosea or some of that and um, and shortly after, there was a few things to help us there, I believe. Shortly after, Dave just asked me to speak. And I just wrote loads of thoughts down that morning and uh, was so blessed. And as I wrote those thoughts down, I thought of you. I thought, I want the people to know more of this. I want to know more of this, what Hosea is talking about. And there's two things in particular, I don't know if I'll get through it all, but there's two things in particular that um, stood out to me as I read in the uh, uh, Hosea. One thing was knowledge of God and the other thing was knowledge of his word. Uh, and so knowledge of God, what does that look like? Um, in Hosea 6 verse 3, it says, Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. It goes even further in Hosea, it says, uh, 6 verse 6, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. A bet like me, you remember the first part of that verse, it's a well-known verse, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, but it says there, he also desires the knowledge of God, a knowledge of him more than any religious show. And uh, he desires a relationship. You know, God wants us. That's why he created us. He wants us in such a close relationship relationship with him. I know you already know this, but there's a word, the word for knowledge in the Hebrew is yadah, and it means personal and relational knowledge. As you know, it's, it's experiential, it's not intellectual knowledge. And when you look deeper and deeper into the book of Hosea, you find that he wants an intimate relationship with him, that he actually aches for it. You know, think back to the beginning of, of the, uh, in the history of Israel. In Moses' time, what does God say? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. 
in other words, every fibre of our being. And of course, in, in return, he promised them so much. He gave them not just land, he gave them a land flowing with abundance. Every part of that land was blessed, their crops, um, their harvests, um, all the society would reap the benefits, their health, their wealth, their welfare, education, and that would, when they're free in those areas, it would give them freedom to excel in the arts and the sciences. They were singled out to be the most favoured nation on earth. We, only, we get the full off on evidence of that in Solomon's reign. That's what God intended. You know, Dave, I think, again mentioned last week, the Queen of Sheba came because she'd heard about the, uh, Solomon's kingdom. She was staggered. She was blown away. She even noticed that the servants had a good life. They didn't need trade unions or shop stewards in those days. Was, you know, they just, everyone was so blessed. This is what God intended for his people. Even when the nation drifted away, you can see the evidence in individual lives. Look at lives like Joseph, raised up to be prime minister in the land in a hostile environment. Daniel and his three friends, they were passionate people. They were lives totally surrendered for God when they could have enjoyed the benefits of the nation when they were held captive. And they, in these hostile environments, they were able to rise because they knew their God. They excelled in wisdom and spiritual gifts. It says of Daniel, he was 10 times better than all the other astrologers, all the other peers. Um, when I was in California a few years ago, I heard about a group of people that knew that the police would go to mediums and and spiritists to find uh, missing people. And they thought, the devil just pinches the ideas of God. God's the creator, we can do that. And they got together with the police and they found out people that had been missing for youngs and they had such, such success because they asked God and that made a difference. It was a witness and a testimony in that community and in that area. And there's so much more, there's so much more that God wants us to bring us into and make a difference. These people brought answers and solutions to powerful kings and kingdoms. And of course, they brought those, pro brought those prophecies that enlighten us today and give us insight for the future. <clears throat> what else had God said to his people? He said they were his treasured possession, the apple of his eye. He was saying they meant everything to him. That's what he's saying about you this morning. You mean everything to him. It shouldn't have been so hard, should it, to love a God like that, uh, who loved them so much, worked so miraculously on their behalf. But in Hosea's time, the people had flipped, uh, slipped rather so far back they were totally cold-hearted toward God. And as a result, they were suffering from the tyranny of other rulers. And they were actually hurtling towards judgment. Judgment came not so many years after. Jeroboam was the second was their king and he ruled for 41 years. And he was evil. He led them in in uh, the golden calf culture, he's trying to maintain hold of his country. He led them, encouraged them to worship Baal or with all its dark and seductive practices, um, child sacrifice and all of that sort of thing. 
And yet, do you know, even in that time, it says God gave Jeroboam success in battle. He was able to regain some of lost territory in order to bring relief to the people in their distress. Why would God use a wicked king to relieve these wayward people? 2 Kings 14, 26, it says, and this was at that time, for the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, and whether bond or free, there was no other helper for Israel. I'm sure Hosea's prayers and others like him had, a, had an effect at that time, that God was able to come and show the mercy and uh, pity in their distress and give them some relief. Um, <clears throat> furthermore, God wanted to demonstrate to his people at that time um, quite a stark message. He wanted to demonstrate his love and he asked Hosea to do something tough. He said, go marry a harlot, go marry a promiscuous woman. And he went and he obeyed and he married a woman called Goma. They had three children. Even their names had messages that God wanted to give to his people at that time. Later, she left him and she committed adultery. He must have been broken hearted, so betrayed, so hurt. But he went and he took her back and he settled all the debts that it took to have her back. It's a strange story. It does throw up some questions for some, but I'm just simple enough to believe that God said it. It might seem strange. God told him to do that, and he obeyed. The point was, God was trying to get the attention of his people. He wanted a visual demonstration of how they had treated him and how they had broken his heart. He'd been talking long enough. Prophets had been coming long enough and he wanted to make a more powerful impact through Hosea's life. I've found recently, it's great being on this course in Bedford, we're encouraged to give his words and prophetic words, found it encouraging for me, realising actually God does speak to us all, you know, <laughs> we can all um, go out there. But I found when a prophetic word has been given me with, with a picture, it's impacted me more actually, nothing against just words, but um, you can carry the picture in your head, can't you? And then you can be reminded of the word. Shall I say somebody who didn't know me at all, who's uh, now left the course, but they sent us all a word, said, you will have the courage of a liar and die. I need that. I needed that. You know, and my... and. Um, she went on to say, but she said, I see a picture of a lion and God has given you courage and I need that. There's not, I don't come more cowardly than me. <laughs> I'm easily intimidated, but God's setting me free. <laughs> I've seen it and he's doing more. And she said, I see the northern lights. It's going to get you to see from a different perspective. Amen. Bring it on. And I say that to you. God is implanting courage and strength in you to go more, for, to believe who you are, because this is God's word, and to see more and more things from his perspective so that it have a powerful impact on you. So it was that God yearned for his people so much that he was wooing his people back and God is calling his church back 
He's calling his bride today back to its first love. He's calling you and me to go deeper, to make worship, to make prayer, to make the word more of a joy and a delight, that we want to go back into the secret presence. He's working, he's moving in us to make himself our chief joy and our chief delight, to go after him. Hosea's book, as I said, speaks of intimacy. That word may present a problem to some people, maybe especially the men, intimacy. But you know, my as Richard said, his dad, nearly 100 years old in a couple of weeks. I can remember him saying uh, in the last year or two, we need intimacy with God. He's an old school character, but he recognises it and he has intimacy with God. He communes with God. He's always full of the word, full of joy, full of faith. And because he has that close relationship with God, it might even look a little bit different for each and every one of us. But you just think of, think of David. What was it about King David that delighted God? He said, because he's a man after my own heart. He messed up big time. He was a powerful figure. So, you know, when you're more powerful than you are, the more temptation, the bigger the fool can be. <laughs> and um, he messed up big time. But God, he, he repented because he was so in love with God. But, and, um, and that's what God said, a man after my own heart. So, and that just means the close relationship, time alone with him, in worship, the word and the prayer, and listening to him. So this morning, he wants our love. He wants our passion. He wants it to go up different levels. Where you are this morning, he wants more. I'm not su suggesting that you're all cold-hearted <laughs> like these people. Yeah, only you know. <laughs> and we all, we all have that love and we have a measure of passion, I believe, as I look around. I see it in so many of you, not all of you, that passion. But there's more. He, he wants a closer relationship. In the Ephesian church, as we heard it this morning um, in Revelation 2, verse 4, God said to these people, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. They were a people that were commended because they got several things right, if you read that passage. It says, I commend you for this, you've got that right. But this was the thing that God wanted most. He said, you've left your first love. And if they didn't get that right, even I aside everything else, if they didn't get right, the consequences would be dire. The church would be removed. It's a natural tendency for us all to call off. It is, you know... Um, Things come in and we're easily distracted and, and things and time take our attention. But sometimes just the troubles we have with ourselves, um, the devil knows where to hit us hard sometimes. And um, just ask yourselves, where are you this morning? Is it just, yes, I do love him, I do want to meet with him, I do read the word, but do you want more? 
That's the cry of my heart because I've seen people around me that are crying out for more. And that's the cry of my heart. I want more. I need more. I need more of you. I need more of your word. I know, I need to know. I need more love for Jesus. I need a freedom that transforms me, a fruitfulness and fulfillment that only comes from his life poured into me. And so what's the first thing? Um, what did he say to the Ephesian church? He said, remember, remember. He said, and, and turn back. In Hosea 2 verse 13, this is what God said, but me she forgot. That was the trouble with that nation. They'd quickly forgotten in that nation. They forgot what, about what God had done, even in the wilderness. It's a temptation for all of us to quickly forget. So he's saying, God says to you and I, remember. We had it this morning. Remember. Think back to when you first got saved. Think back to your salvation experience. It might not have been in a moment, but maybe you didn't feel it just in that moment. Or maybe just the days and weeks that followed. Think back to that. That, that hunger for God that you have. That cry that deep in your heart, whether you voiced it like this, was saying, Abba, Father. I want more of you. Remember it. Rejoice in it. Celebrate it. Remember the prophetic word that's been given to you that you knew was right. You weighed it up and you knew was right. Maybe several prophetic words that seem powerful. Go back to them. Look at them. If everything hasn't been uh, answered yet in some of those words, God, you spoke this. X number of years ago, you spoke this, and I believe this. Remember the encounters you had with him, however small. Just think, just opening the word of God, and you go on your way blessed. That was the God of the creator of the universe speaking, talking to you, talking to me. It's something to celebrate. Remember his promises and rehearse them over. Again, this is what you said to me. This is what you gave to me. And then remember what he thinks about you. You are everything to him. You're his treasured possession. You are the apple of his eye. That word keeps coming. The, the Spirit of God emphasizes certain things different decades. You look back what it was like when we were younger. Different emphasis then than there is today. But there's an emphasis today where the Spirit of God is wooing you, saying, you are loved. You are treasured. You are adored. Whatever, if you've messed up, you've failed, and you're weak, your perceived failures, I love you, he's saying. In the Psalms, it talks about thousands of thoughts that he has towards this. You know, if you won every major lottery in the world, it wouldn't compare to this salvation. So remember it and celebrate it. You know, whether you're an emotional person, very expressive, or not, you can't afford, we cannot afford to take this salvation lightly. And how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You know, we should more and more, I believe, 
as we come in prayer and worship, feel a deep sense of gratitude, of thankfulness and awe, just knowing that he loves us. You know, whether you express your praise in an exuberant manner, you shout, you dance, you leap, or whether you're more reserved, that's not the issue. It's whether you feel that closeness um, in your heart to him. It says we worship him in spirit and truth. Personally, I find great freedom in letting rip sometimes. <laughs> uh, there seems to be another layer of freedom that comes on. I just encourage you, try it alone when nobody's around, you know, listening to worship song. Yeah? Just go for it a bit more, raise your hands if you're not used to that. There's no one else, only you and God. And he will be pleased that you want to celebrate him. And you may be surprised what freedom may come from that. David was hounded for years in the wilderness, but he never stopped worshipping and marvelling at his God. For him, he didn't have Jesus, but he could see his creation. He knew his God. You know, you think of the psalm when there was a long list of things he gave, um, praising God, praise God for the sun and uh, for his mercy endures forever. Praise God for the stars, for his mercy. Of course, that was set up for a choir, wasn't it? One choir singing one phrase and another choir singing the answering call for his mercy endures forever. And I don't believe it was praise God for the sun that rules by day, for his mercy endures forever. It was praise God, he's given us the sun. Yes, it's because of his mercy, it's because of his love. So, you know, little children get excited and they want to explore everything, don't they? They're into everything. We think, oh, leave that alone, leave that alone. I can remember taking my grandson out in the pushchair and he'd, and he'd suddenly go, and I'd look up and there'd be a plane right in the distance that I could barely see. For him, it was exciting. It was new. And as adults, we can lose the wonder and the awe of everything around us, of what God has done for us, even the everyday things. We easily tune out from God and we don't hear him and we don't see him in everything and we easily miss his voice. It can come just like that as a whisper. Do you know, I do believe that something powerful happens when our hearts are positioned to be grateful and thankful for everything. And, and then to really intentionally thank him and praise him. And then I found so often he responds and he floods me and he floods us with his presence and his first love is rekindled. I think I'm not going to go on to the next point, but it was about a knowledge of his word. Just very briefly touch on that. You know, he, in um, Hosea, God, God said... These people don't know my word. The, pre the priests hadn't taught it anymore. It had been long forgotten. He said they're destroyed for lack of knowledge. And they hadn't been taught. And we, we have the luxury of so many versions of the Bible. We have the luxury of listening, reading it online and hearing it taught so many ways. The North Koreans bury their Bibles and they dig it out when it's time to read it because they face such persecution if they're found with a Bible. We have a luxury of the word, and we should never take that lightly. 
it, and it's taught us faithfully there. We want God to speak to us. This is what this relationship is about. We want him to strengthen us. We want that wisdom we're talking about this week. We want that strength um, that comes as we live in the word and as we, we're more aware of him. We need, we need the word for the battles that the enemy plays out in our minds. We're not good enough, the guilt and the shame. I just want to briefly um, just give a, a bit of a testimony. There's a GP in Bedford, and she was speaking to us on the course. She said she was a frightened Christian 10 years ago, but now her surgery, she says, the rivers of life flow under her door. The seat in front of her is a mercy seat, she says, and she asked God for assignments, um, and all day she's looking for what the Holy Spirit tells her. She came out one day from the surgery and said, what's wrong, Holy Spirit? I haven't been able to speak to him. There was a guy there with his head in his hands. She went up to him and said, what's the matter? My head's been pounding for five days, he said. Um, he was on medication to, uh, to help him come through the heroin addiction that he'd been on for so long. And... Um, so she, without thinking, she just put her hand on his head and said, peace to you. A week later, she saw him and heard his story. He was working hard. He was in a hostel with disreputable people. He had a 14-year-old son and he was trying with all his heart to, you know, to uh, get free of this um, addiction. And um, she began to minister to him. And she, she told him, that the father loved him and she prayed for him and that head pounding headache went. He said, I knew what you were different, he said. I knew you were different. And um, she, she, it turned out that he had actually got saved years before in her church. He was a backslider. And she said, well, God set us up because I'm in that church. And today he's going on with God in another church in Peterborough. You know, and time, so many encounters that she has like that. People have said, you'll, you'll get struck off. But <laughs> she says it's never happened. <laughs> but that's well, where we want to be. may not look exactly like that, but that's where we want to be. And I believe we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds as we love his word, as, we, as he helps us to understand it correctly. And, um, you know, one thing my dad taught me was passion. He got quite a few things wrong because <laughs> the religious mindsets of the day, but he taught me passion. And I believe that has been deposited something that I, that I want. And so we're all on this journey. We're all on this journey and wanting more. But when you discover that first love, when you discover that passion for God, it's much easier to surrender to him once you understand his love. There will be a greater desire to go after him, to go after his word. And um, there's so many other stories that I could tell of God moving wonderfully in other people. And we just want to know that. We want to know what it is to be drenched in his love. Jesus said, greater work shall you do. Want to know more of that. Want to know that courage that comes from him himself. The courage that comes from his word. And um, there was that one story they said about in the, in the church that's connected with this course, they said God told somebody to just go and tell this 14-year-old boy, God loves you. 
Oh, just well, that's a bit simple. Went to say, God loves you. That boy went flat out on the floor and prophesied for hours. 14 years of age. The leaders were around him. He was talking about leadership, future things, um, things that God was going to do. They, they got around him, around his head, writing down the words they said to carry him out prophesying. We want to see that, don't we? A lady on the course, she was saying... <coughs> her and her friend had got together to pray for each other's debts and each other's needs and she gets a call from the debt management people to say never had anything like this before the bank has cancelled the £17,000 debt God is moving we want to know more of this we want to get closer so celebrate his goodness we can't afford to be casual he wants us to know that first love and then we will know freedom that is sweet we will know this fruitfulness in abundance I believe a fulfilment that is glorious I'm speaking that for myself and speaking that for you and for his people. Hosea just finishes. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. Amen.